Welcome to the Pulp Nostalgia and Old Time Radio Podcast. This week we have Stranger in the House, the May 6th, 1945 episode of The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book aired 26 episodes from March 18th to September 9th, 1945 over the Mutual Network. This episode was written by Robert Arthur, who wrote dozens of stories for the Pulps. He was also a prolific writer for many radio series and scripted several episodes of television's Alfred Hitchcock Presents. He also wrote mystery books for young adult audience, most notably the Three Investigators series, and was the editor of many of the short story collections credited to Hitchcock in the 1960s. If you like pulp mysteries, you should check out our latest collection, The Best of Thrilling Detective, Volume 2. It, along with Volume 1 and all our other books, are available from Amazon and other bookstores, or at a discount on our website at brickpicklemedia.com. That direct link is in the show notes. This podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production, copyright 2022. For more from Brick Pickle Media, visit our website, where you can find a link to all of our books on our entire online store. Just a reminder that if you'd like to show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And with that, on with the show. The Sealed Book. Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read... Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a cursed and evil spirit. A spirit that threatened the peace and happiness of a young married couple. A tale called... Stranger in the house. the tale, Stranger in the House, as it is written on the pages of the sealed book. The tale was told by Jane Barton herself. From the first moment I saw Wickford Manor, I was filled with a sense of uneasiness, 
almost fear. A fear I couldn't explain. To all outward appearances, Wickford Manor was just another old, staunchly built colonial house. The kind you see through all New England. Roger, my husband, was delighted with the house. Its beauty and remoteness won his heart from the beginning. Say, take a look at that beautiful staircase. Look at this magnificent fireplace in the drawing room. Yes, it is beautiful, Roger. It's just the size house we need with four rooms upstairs. Four rooms upstairs? How do you know, Roger? The agent never mentioned how many rooms the house had. Didn't he? Well, there's only one way to find out. Let's go upstairs and look. Come on, Janie. All right, Roger. Ah, this house would require very little in the way of repairs. But it hasn't any electricity, Roger. Oh, well, we could use lamps until a line could be run to the house. Look, Janie, there are four rooms up here. So there are. It's as though you've been in this house before. Yes, I have a feeling I have. Well, perhaps that's the reason I like it. But darling, you've been ever so quiet since we entered the house. Don't you care for it? I don't know. It, it, it seems unfriendly. Well, if you don't like it, then we'll keep on looking until we find a house we both like. Oh, nonsense. I've been married to you too long not to know you've got your heart set on this place. We'll never find anything nicer. Now, that, that room with the southern exposure will be our bedroom. Oh, Janie, you're wonderful. And we will be happy here. I know we will. Because I loved Roger and wanted to see him happy, I buried my fears and agreed to the purchase of the house. The first evening in our new home, as I went about the drawing room unpacking our belongings, I suddenly realized how cold and clammy the room was in spite of the roaring fire. Beyond the feeble light of the oil lamp, the room was thick with fog. Suddenly it seemed to engulf me like a shroud, and I felt the icy coldness of the grave upon me. My heart pounded in my ears. I felt faint. After what seemed like eternity, the fog rolled away. The light of the lamp became brighter. I felt unbearably alone. I rushed out of the drawing room. As I opened the door to the study, I saw Roger seated before the fireplace. He was staring unseeingly at the ashes of a fire long since gone out. Roger. Roger. Roger! What? Oh, it's you, Jane. Roger, is anything wrong? Wrong? Yes, you seem so far away, remote. It, it frightened me. Do you smell perfume in here? Perfume? Why, yes. It's the perfume I gave you for your birthday, isn't it? No. No, it isn't my perfume. It smells like Narcissus. Yes. So it does. How strange. Roger, what were you thinking of when I came in here? Why, I don't know. My mind was reaching out for something. Something in the past. But it was all so confused. It was as if I were wandering in a fog. Wandering in a fog? Yes. Jane, you're so pale. Aren't you feeling well? I'm just tired, been rather a tiring day. You go up to bed, Jane. I'll be along later. All right, dear. Don't forget to turn out the lamp when you come up. I won't. Mm -hmm. 
I left the study and Roger. After tossing in my bed for hours, I fell into a fitful sleep. I suddenly awakened to hear the clock in the hall striking the hour. It was five o'clock, and Roger's bed was empty. Quickly slipping on my robe, I left my room and started down the stairs. As I reached the foot of the stairs, I stopped. But to my astonishment, I heard Roger's voice in the study. I slowly approached until I was at the door. Who are you? It's Miss. If I could only make you out clearer. So difficult. Mist obscures your face. Who are you? Why don't you say something? Roger! Roger! Unlock the door! It's Jane! What's wrong? The mist is coming between us. I can hardly see you. Oh, don't go. Come back, please. Please come back. Darling! Darling, please unlock this door. Please! Roger! And now back to the story as it is written in the sealed book. It was five o'clock in the morning when Jane suddenly woke and found Roger locked in his study. He was apparently talking to someone, although there could be no one there. Hysterically, Jane pounded on the study door. Darling, darling, unlock the door, please. Roger! Oh, Roger. What is it, Jane? I was so frightened. Who are you talking to? Talking to? I don't know. I must have been dreaming. Oh, yes. Yes, you must have been. There isn't anyone in here. Roger, the scent of Narcissus. So strong in here. Yes. Much stronger than it was at midnight. Roger, what were you dreaming about? It was night. All around me was a mist. And there was a woman. A woman? Yes. Barely make out her face in the swirling mists. But it was a beautiful face. The most beautiful face I've ever seen. Did you feel you'd seen her before? Yes. I couldn't remember why. Oh, what do you make of it, Roger? Make of it? Oh, it was just a dream, I suppose. What else could it have been? Roger said it was a dream. But in his heart, I knew he believed it was more than a dream. During the days that followed, he'd pace incessantly in the study, paying no attention to me, living only for the coming of twilight. And when night did fall, he'd lock himself in the study, forbidding me to disturb him. Hours would pass, and then suddenly I'd hear him talking to her, begging her to come closer, pleading with her to speak to him. At last one night, I couldn't stand it any longer. When he began talking to her, I knocked on the door of the study until he opened it. What do you want? I thought I told you I wasn't to be disturbed. I must talk you to must you. You must be fools. She was about to speak to me for the first time. And you knocked on the door and caused her to vanish. Oh, Roger, Roger, you're not in love with her. You couldn't be. But I am. There's never a moment I don't think of her. Wish that I might see her. Oh, what you're saying is madness. You can't be in love with her. She's from another world, a phantom, an evil ghost. No, she isn't evil. She's beautiful. So beautiful I'd give my life oh, for her. Roger, listen to me. You must come away from this house and from her. She's cast a spell over you, and it can only lead to disaster. Roger, we must leave this house at once. No, never. I insist. Get out, you hear? And don't come back. I'll never leave her, never. Never. <laughs> 
Dr. Smith, in view of what I've told you, do you think you can help me? Now, you say, Mrs. Barton, that when you drove out to Wickford Manor for the first time, your husband seemed to recognize the house? Certain things about it, yes. There's a history to Wickford Manor, though few people are familiar with it. A history to Wickford Manor? Yes. The house was built in 1811 by Martin Wickford for his bride, Harriet. A year later, Harriet's sister, Isabel, came to live with the Wickfords. She was a remarkably beautiful woman, so beautiful that Martin Wickford fell in love with her and she with him. Then what happened? Well, one day, while Martin was hunting in the mountains, he was killed in a fall. When his companions brought his body back to Wickford Manor, they found Harriet, his wife, dead. She'd been poisoned. Poisoned? Yes. At the sight of Martin's body, Isabel went to pieces and confessed that she had poisoned her sister. Before she could be arrested, she committed suicide in the study. In the study? Yes. In the years that followed the tragedy, Wickford Manor had a succession of tenants, all of whom left after a brief residence. You mean they saw her too? Well, the tenants made no claim of seeing anyone, but their fear of an unknown element in the house led them to leave. If the other tenants never saw her, why should Roger see her? Mrs. Barton... You said that your husband seemed to know many things beforehand about the house. Yes, I, I recall joking with him about it. I, I said it was as though he'd been there before. Perhaps he had, long ago, as another person. As another person? Yes. You mean Roger had once known Wickford Manor in some previous life? How else do you account for his remembrance of things that he'd never seen in this life? Oh, you're trying to tell me something, Doctor. What is it? Perhaps your husband and the spirit of the woman Isabel are able to bridge the gap of time and space because they had once known each other in another life. Doctor, you... You don't believe that Roger was... was Martin Wickford? I don't know. What is happening at Wickford Manor is beyond the knowledge of the living. But this I do know. We must return to the manor at once, for the spirit that's abroad in the house is one to be feared more than death itself. Please come closer so I can see you better. Oh, you're beautiful. Beautiful. Can't you... Won't you tell me who you are? We have met before, haven't we? Yes. We've met before. What? You spoke. I've waited so long for you, Martin. Why do you call me Martin? My name's Roger. It was Martin. Then. Then? What do you mean? Look at me, Martin. Look into my eyes. Don't you remember me? Yes, but where? Think, Martin. Think. Time is the barrier between us, but we shall surmount it. Think back into the dim past. When you lived in this house, and we loved each other. Isabel. Oh. Yes, Martin. Isabel. Do you remember now? Yes, Isabel, yes. I remember everything up to the day I went hunting in the mountains and fell. What happened to me, Isabel? 
What happened to us? To our love? Don't think of that accursed day, darling. But think of the future. Our happiness together. Oh, yes, Isabel. Our happiness together. Roger. Roger, please open this door. Roger. Martin, she's come back. Yes. Darling, don't go. Don't leave me. I must, Martin. I must. We could be so happy together. Come back. Please come back. Roger, please unlock this door. Please. What do you want? What did you come for? Roger, this is Dr. Smith. Doctor, this is my husband. What the devil did you bring him here for? Roger, please. I thought perhaps he could help us. Help us? I don't need anybody's help. I must warn you, Mr. Barton. The spirit of the woman you see in the study is an evil one. One that will lead you to disaster. I don't need help from you or anybody else. Now get out of this house. Get out, both of you. Doctor, we must do something. We must. We shall. But not tonight. I must have time to think about it. Uh, You'd better return to the village with me. No, no, I, I don't want to leave him in the house alone. Something might happen to him. Very well, then. I'll return late tomorrow afternoon, and when I do, we shall take action. Isabel, where are you? I'm alone now, darling. Please come back. I'm here, Martin. I'm here. Oh, yes, I see you now. Promise you'll never leave me again, Isabel. I don't want to leave you, darling. But that woman is trying to come between us. Jane? Yes. She hates me, Martin. She will come between us if you don't get rid of her. I tried to make her leave, but she wouldn't go. Then that leaves only one thing to do. One thing to do? Yes. Come. We must hurry. It's almost dawn, and I'll have to leave you soon. Lying there asleep, so defenseless. Yes, go ahead. Put your hands around her throat and squeeze. Oh. Hurry, Martin, before she awakens. Oh. Uh, who's there? Answer her. It's Roger. Oh, oh for a moment I was so frightened. What time is it? It's just dawn. Hurry, Martin. I must leave. Yes. Roger. Roger, why are you looking at me like that? Oh, no, Roger. Tighter, Martin. Tighter. Until she stops struggling and is still forever. Isabel, don't leave me. Isabel, where are you? Isabel, please don't leave me, Isabel. Roger, she made you do it, didn't she? Oh, Roger, Roger. (laughs) And now to continue the story as it is written in the sealed book. As Jane finished describing to the doctor how Roger 
Urged on by the sinister spirit he called Isabel had nearly strangled her. The doctor spoke. And then, Mrs. Barton, you say your husband stopped choking you and ran out of your room and down to the study? Yes, Dr. Smith. Oh, I should have known better than to let you remain in this house last night. Don't you see? This Isabel knows that if he murders you, he will then join her cursed spirit forever in this house. Oh, look. Look, it's growing dark out. Soon she'll appear to bewitch him again. Doctor, we must do something. Very well. This woman, Isabel, has been denied the peace of the grave because her sister's blood is on her hands. She belongs neither to the living or the dead, only to this house. If we could get your husband to leave, perhaps it would break the spell she's cast over. Yes, but he absolutely refuses to leave. Then we must force him to. I could very quickly give him a hypodermic and render him unconscious. Yes, then we could carry him away. And to make sure he never returns to this house, we must burn it to the ground before we leave. Yes, we will burn it, and the evil that's in it. Then if you'll lead me to the study. All right, Doctor. Have you the hypodermic ready? Yes. Now, when your husband opens the door, just gain his attention for a moment. Long enough for me to give him the injection. Yes, very well. Roger. Roger, open the door. I, I want to talk to you. What do you want? Why has he come back to this house? He's come to take me away, Roger. To take you away? Yes. Good. I'm glad to see you. What have you stuck me with? What's that in your hand? Just a hypodermic, Mr. Barton. A hypodermic? What, what are you up to? You're, tr you're trying to take me away from this house. From her. Well, I won't go. I won't go. Do you hear? You'll... Oh, Dr. Quick, quick, he's falling. Uh, I've got him. I've got him, Mrs. Barton. Now I suggest you take that lamp and smash it on the floor. Yes. Let's burn the place down to the ground. Yeah, that's it. Now you'd better help me carry your husband out of the house. In a little while, this house will be a raising inferno. He's regaining consciousness, Mrs. Barton. Will he remember what's happened? I don't know. How are you, darling? Oh, hello, Janie. Oh, but I had a terrible dream. I'm so, so confused. You've been very ill, but now you're going to be all right. Of course. Oh. Where am I? You're in my home, Mr. Barton. Yes, darling. Our house burned down last night. Burned down? Oh, that's too bad. Well, we only had one night in our new home. One night? Why, yes, of, of course, Roger. Well, Mrs. Barton, in spite of the loss of your home... I think you were very fortunate, for there are things far worse than fire. Yes, Doctor. And I can never thank you enough for breaking the bridge between the past and the present. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing, darling. Nothing at all. Roger, you've been humming that all day. Well, I like it. But you can't carry a tune. Oh, nonsense. I've carried this tune for 300 miles, and I'll carry it the rest of the way to California. Oh, what a trip this is going to be. Roger. What? Do you smell something? Yes. Good night air. No, I, I don't mean that. Well, what's wrong with you, Janie? 
Don't you smell it? What? You mean that perfume? Yes. Hmm, seems familiar. What is it? Narcissus. Narcissus? Yes. Oh, Roger, we haven't escaped from her. She's here in this car. Isabel, think, darling, think. Roger, you look as though you're listening to her. You do remember everything now, don't you, Martin? Yes. Darling, we must get rid of her. She's trying to come between us. Yes. Oh, Roger, you mustn't listen to her. Once... She's gone. We'll be together forever, darling. Yes. Forever. Roger. Roger, why have you stopped the car? No. No, don't look at me like that. Roger, no. Stay away from me. You mustn't... after Jane was found strangled in the abandoned car. State police arrested Roger Barton and charged him with murder. Strangely enough, as Roger was being hanged for his crime, witnesses at the execution noticed a strange scent of perfume about the gallows. Some people said afterwards that it was Narcissus, and they remarked on the expression of joy on Roger's face as he died. Thank you.